Hey guys, you are listening to the Fully Known Podcast. I am your host, Olivia, and as always, I'm so thankful that you chose to listen along with us today. Today, I'm sitting down with my friend, Taylor Landers. She is someone who um, I have known for a while. We actually grew up in the same hometown, but we didn't really know each other then. We've connected later. Um, Now that she's moved away and I've moved away a little bit, she moved further away than I did. Um, But we have kind of reconnected in being young moms, having young kids, uh, being in ministry. And so she's someone that I have connected with over social media. And we've really kind of cultivated this relationship. And I knew that she would be a great person to bring on the show Um, just to talk about her life and experience with the Lord and experience in ministry and then also in focusing on the story from the Bible that we're going to be talking about. Um, Today we talk about Taylor and her life and being um, a pastor's wife and what it's looked like for her to move all over the country. Uh, She's been married for seven years and in those seven years she and her husband have moved quite a bit. Um, So we talk about that, we talk about her boys, um, but then we talk about the story of Tamar found in the Bible, which is um, such an interesting account that points us ultimately to Jesus. And so I hope that you guys listening um, will gather that from what we're talking about, from these stories that we're digging into and really see how God's hand was on Tamar and um, how he used her for um, accomplishing part of his redemptive plan. So without further ado, I'm going to stop talking and we are going to get to my interview with my friend Taylor. Well, welcome to the Fully Known Podcast, Taylor. Thank you. I'm so glad that you invited me. Yes. Um, So today we're recording via Zoom. This is my first one um, and a video chat. I wish that we could be together because I love being together, but that would be kind of hard because we don't live close. (laughs) Yeah, but that would mean a visit for my family. So I might have to do that sometime. <laughs> yes. Well, next time you're in the area, we'll just record yeah. our second episode together. Yeah, but, sounds good. Um, before we get started, kind of talking about some other stuff, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and um, just who you are? Okay. Well, I grew up there, Lincoln County also, yeah. um, different part of it. I went to Lincoln County High School, but um, most of my friends were like that Branchland, Hamlin area. And I was like 15, 20 minutes <laughs> towards Charleston. But anyway, um, I went to Bible college right out of high school with full intentions of, I mean, I just assumed I would come home after college, but um, I actually met my husband my freshman year there, um, got married my sophomore year, moved to Georgia. Um, He's a student pastor. So we're actually currently in Virginia Beach, Virginia. So this is our seventh year of marriage and also seventh year of ministry together. So lots of fun. Um, Now we have four, or not four, three little boys from the ages of four to six months old. That's, I think, what was in my brain. But um, anyways, they're also a lot of fun, Mm -hmm. busy. And we really, I really enjoy ministry. I always tell everyone I feel like um, I also answered a call to be a part of ministry when I, you know, said yes to David. And it's been a lot of growing as a person apart mm-hmm. from like the ministry acts aspect. It's been so much growth personally. Um, just with dealing with people. Um yeah. I appreciate that part of it. But also ministry is a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but it's so rewarding and not not really for us. It's just you 
when you get to see those benefits of all the work that you put into mm-hmm. ministry. Um, and I'm always like a proud mom too of with David and that. Anyways, our whole life really revolves around that. We've lived in Georgia and now Virginia Beach. And, um, you know, being so far away from our family, we've made some really great friends mm-hmm. that have stepped up and, you know, been there when our kids were born and um, invited us over for Sunday dinner and all those things that we miss about being home. But um, I'm actually a certified personal trainer also. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you about that because yeah. I knew this. So, um, and I worked at a gym here in Virginia Beach. And then I kind of stepped away from that because I really would like to do more of like community. I love the community part of working out and like just yeah. being the for someone because let's be real that's really what we need to you know get up and get going mm-hmm. and so I kind of stepped away from that and did more of um some like donation classes here at our church mm-hmm. um, and we just got together and did that and then I had um got pregnant with Shepherd, and then the pandemic honestly just kind of any type of training or hands-on thing just kind of disappeared so right. um I still have that and I would love to use it um, to some capacity soon, but hopefully as things start rolling in more of a normal feel, um, I can get back into that and back into the gym. But that's about it. Nothing too exciting about me. I'm a mom and um, personal trainer. That's about it. <laughs> well, being a mom is exciting in itself. Especially yeah. little boys. Oh, yeah. I, They're wild. I imagine I'm you're the boy mom. I'm the girl mom. Which yeah. My girls can be pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. But I know boys come with their own brand of crazy. So yeah. I'm Kids sure are it's crazy cool. and yes. energetic. It's it blows my mind from the time they wake up. To the I time know they like they wake go to up. Sleep. <laughs> yes, they wake up ready. I oh, mean, yeah. From the moment they're up, there's like no lag time. They're if, just if my two year old gets up before I do, he'll go get something to eat and he's at my he's at my bedside. Can I have this yogurt? I'm like, can I just open my eyes for a second? Just give me a but, minute. Like, could yeah. I even get some coffee first? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh man, that's so funny. Yeah. So um going back to you and your husband in ministry, you are now in Virginia Beach. Do you or did he have any family there or what led you? Was it, lit- it truly just a move for ministry to yeah, Virginia? So his family's actually in Arkansas. Okay. And then my family's all there in West Virginia. Yeah. So um, we met in Nashville, Tennessee. So I was only like six hours from home. He mm-hmm. was only like six ish hours from yeah. home. So very central. And I'll never forget. We were just dating whenever he told me um, that he had a job offer in Homerville, Georgia, which I'd never heard of um, South, South Georgia. Yeah. And I, I remember calling my mom and I was like, mom, he's going to take this job. He's going to ask me to marry him. Like, I just know this is going to happen because I feel like it's pretty serious and this is a far move. So I know that distance, it's either going to be like, okay, we take that next step. It's going to be serious or Mm -hmm. not. And that's about how it happened. So that move was also, I mean, further away. And we, um, that was David's first church and he was the youth pastor and Josh, our, the past lead pastor there, um, just, you know, they took us in and, he moved to Virginia Beach. He um, actually got a call to um, revitalize this church that we're at. Yeah. And 
this thoughts just for us were like, okay, our ministry team is separating. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean for us? Do we um, look for, like, are you ready to be a lead pastor? Do you want to continue being a student pastor? And the option even came up for us to stay there in Homerville and become the lead pastor. Mm -hmm. And it was just one of those things like, okay, what do we feel is the next step for us? Well, Josh was like, I mean, this is a big project, like, you know, and there's nobody on staff. Um, Mm -hmm. So another option presented to us was like, you guys come later and we do this thing together. We revitalize this church, get it going again. Um, And David's like, well, what do you think about that? And David has always had a heart for church planting. Mm -hmm. Um, We've never actually taken that step, but um, I was like, unless you're ready to be a pastor and you want to make that decision. Um, I mean, it's, you know, and it's, I always pray for the Lord's direction for like, I, I just want to, my prayer is always like, Lord, help me to just know what's best. I don't right. necessarily think when you're in the Lord's will day to day that there's a right and wrong. Yeah. I don't think if he would, you know, if we would have stayed in Homerville and became their pastor, I don't, I think our ministry would have been blessed. Yeah. As long as we are day in and day out following the Lord's Walking will. Walking in the obedience yeah. of God. Yeah. Daily obedience, picking up our cross, choosing to follow day to day. Yeah. And I felt the same way about here. I was like, and it really just depends on, um, you know, we don't, we have a great vision with Josh and um, you guys work well together. And it was just kind of, we prayed and we let the Lord lead. And I say that, but it totally does come from feelings when you're praying Mm -hmm. for that. I'm just like, just help us to feel like this is right. I don't really know how else to say it, but I completely understand. So no, we don't have family. I am closer to my family here. Yeah. That's by like six hours. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. No, you just kind of pray in like when it comes to big decisions like that, you just pray for clarity, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like help us to know where we can best be used um, and help us to feel. And it's crazy because we've had a, other opportunities come up and people call David, you know, like, are you looking for a church? Like, you know, and we're like, OK, let's pray about it. And then you do. And you're like, it just doesn't feel like yeah. the best thing. And there's just no way to explain that feeling or, right. you know. Right. Just like the the move and the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes, for sure. But, my, and this is what I always tell David, if we ever do start to think, okay, is our time done here? I always want to go back and say, why did we choose to say yes? Mm-hmm. And then we talk about that and I'm like, okay, have we accomplished that? Or do yeah. we feel like what we said yes for is we've at least planted the seed and let mm-hmm. somebody come in? Like, I always want to do that. I don't want to hop from place to place. I want to do what the Lord why we said yes in the first place. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just planting the seeds and then somebody gets to come in and water it and somebody gets to come in and see it all come to fruition. And that's great. That's part of being in ministry. You do your part and you go on. Mm -hmm. And so that's always our rule of thumb. If we're thinking about making moves in the future, like have we done what we said yes to God in the first place to do (laughs) or at least our part in it? So, yeah, I think that's good because that's that's a very wise way to look at it and, and to really make decisions, especially yeah. when it comes to ministry, because 
oftentimes, I mean, what I even see in in a lot of people in ministry in life, but in ministry too, is like, what's the next thing that's going to be new or that's going to be fun or that's, you know, and that's not always wrong to look for the fun stuff. Um, But I think there's something to say about, you know, longevity and trying to accomplish um, what you set out to accomplish, even when it's difficult, because I'm sure you guys have hit many roadblocks and many things that are difficult. And it would have been easier to just say, why don't we go back? Or why don't we take this new opportunity? Because of course, the grass is always greener. Um, But yeah, that's that's definitely a great way to look at it to see have we accomplished what we set out to accomplish yet. And the beautiful parts of ministry are just woven within. I think when you look back at ministry, you see the big things. And Mm -hmm. most of the big things are the challenging things to me. But the really beautiful parts of ministry and the relationships you build, they're just like woven into all of those big, really hard things that you look back on and see big picture. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's, it is, it's just a lifestyle that I feel like you say yes to and, and you buckle down because it's a a long ride. It it definitely (laughs) is. So here in Virginia beach, um, well, they're in Virginia Beach. I'm not yeah. there, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm still in cold West Virginia. Yeah. Oh, hey, we did have snow last week. Oh, you did? We How got like that? four inches of snow. Wow. It's great. We didn't drive down to the beach, but we got it and it stayed for about a day. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> um, so there with your your church there, it's a revital like revitalization. Mm-hmm. So really kind of a church plant, I would assume. Yeah. Um, what have you found that's different in ministry? Um, coming from when you were in Georgia, was that not a church plant? Uh, no, um, our church were more established, very established, okay. and also a small town. Okay, so you could see a little fluctuation, mm-hmm. and you could count on a little bit of growth. But um, you know, there are several churches in that yeah. small town. Um, it's a family town, so Grandma goes here, so I'm going to yeah. go there. Right, My, you know, and here it's a much bigger place mm-hmm. and there are just so many unchurched, like there's so many churches. Yes. But there are so many people that don't go to church. Yeah. And so um, you just have so many opportunities to bring people in. And it's also very different from South Georgia. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's a military town. So mm-hmm. you have people from literally all over. Mm-hmm. And, um, yes. This church had, I don't, know if this is like correct terminology, but they had, they were thriving at one point with like 500 people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just like thriving and then slowly and surely year by year, they just lost people and lost Mm. people. And a lot of people became shut-ins like the older members of the church and just a lot of different things. And so when we got here and not that not that numbers like 80 people or 100 people, not that that's a bad thing. But mm-hmm. when you step back and say, okay, why did you guys have so many people involved? And then now you don't. Mm-hmm. Because, invo- I mean, you don't want to just have 100 people or 500 people and be like, okay, we have 500 people. Everything stops. Like, mm-hmm. that's not how you want those 500 people to disciple 500 more and go out and plant another church and reach more people like that's, you know, so when you lose all those people, you're like, something's wrong here. So what yeah. we, what's wrong? How do we get more people excited about church? And those people 
tell other people and grow more disciples. And that's all, I mean, that's what it's about. Honestly, Mm -hmm. there's no stopping point with um, being in a church or planting a church or discipling people. There's no end. You just, it's just a continued growth. Definitely. My husband and I um, about, I guess, seven or eight years ago when we first met, he was part of a church plant very, very early stages Mm -hmm. of um, they hadn't even actually planted yet. And so we were just dating and um, through, you know, we got engaged and I became involved in the church as well. And so he and I both have been involved in church plant life for a really long, it feels like a really long time, especially for me coming from, he did not grow up in church. He came to know the Lord um, in his early twenties. For me, I grew up in church. I mean, I was baptized. I was seven years old. Mm -hmm. So it's like all I've ever really known is church, but I knew it much different than (laughs) when we joined and um, helped plant. And then we, uh, about five years ago, helped plant in Huntington, another location. And so just the way that we do ministry is like the mission is not different, but the logistics are definitely, oh, yeah. definitely oh, yeah. different. And so that challenged me in a lot of ways coming from an established church that I grew up in. That was in a little bit of a smaller area, kind of like what you were, excuse me, what you were saying. Um, but it challenged me in a lot of ways that really helped me grow spiritually. And I see oh, yeah. that that where I am today and the, my outlook on ministry today is a lot due to those challenges and to my refining through that, because there were a lot of days that were really hard. I mean, you show up and you put so much energy into setting up for two hours, you know, and then you have three people that come yeah. <laughs> and then you have to spend two hours after service to take everything down and oh, then yeah. do it all over again next week. Yeah. So, I think it- so- Sometimes that can be really discouraging, but I see now that it really framed the way I do ministry now. And I think it hurts people's feelings. I think about my mom in particular. I think it hurts people's feelings when you talk about ministry from the inside out and it like they're like no and I'm like I'm not talking about but you don't I don't think people who just go to church understand all of the things that happen leading up to yeah. it. But um yes, it's it it changes you. It mm-hmm. really does because church is no longer about okay, what can I get from sitting in this right. service? Right. Um, you know, it's it just changes and you you spend more time in your weekly daily devotions because that's mm-hmm. your feeding time. I mean, yeah. on Sundays it's like you're giving all you you're giving all you got and so yeah. you've got to be fed all those it's other not your days. rest day. Sunday's not your rest day when you're in ministry. You yep, need to you find another find Sabbath day. Find another one. <laughs> yes, because it's yep. not going to be Sundays. Um, but yeah, so um, let's go ahead and move into a little bit of our Bible talk for this yeah. morning, which I'm really excited to talk about. Um, we are going to be talking about Tamar, who her story in length is found in the Old Testament, but she's also mentioned in the New Testament. And so um, she kind of brings it all back around for us in uh, in a way that is really interesting. So when we start off talking about Tamar, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 38. For those of you listening, we're not reading this in mm-hmm. length, um, but you can find her story in Genesis chapter 38, primarily. Um, we may read a few things, but that's where you'll be able to find it if you want to go look. So um, Taylor, would you like to give just a little bit of a little bit of a background or a story about Tamar when we find her in the book of Genesis? 
Yes. So Tamar is the wife of the son of Judah. Yes. Um, and bear with me on names. I'm awful at pronouncing names, but <laughs> just um, say it with confidence. That's what I always <laughs> say. Just act like you know what you're saying. Yeah. So um, she is married to Onan. Yeah. The sure. son of Judah. Mm-hmm. And long story short, he is evil. And it says that the Lord strikes him dead, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's customary for him to. For, oh, excuse me. The first one she was married to was Ur, E-R. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, yeah. Yes. The yes. Lord strikes him dead. He was evil in the sight of the Lord. And then it's customary in those days for her to be given to his brother. Yes. Um, which is Onan, mm-hmm. where Onan comes in. Also customary for her to bear a child by him. But here's the kicker. The child will be raised by him but will get the inheritance of his father, yeah. which was her first husband, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And so basically, Onan was like, I'm not going to do that, um, refused to have a child by with her um, mm-hmm. so that he could have his full inheritance. Because if they would have had a baby, the inheritance then would have been split mm-hmm. with that child. So he was selfish and did not want to do that. And so here's Tamar just being used as a pawn. I feel so bad for her. Mm -hmm. But um, so then the Lord strikes him dead because he is evil in the sight of the Lord. So Judah actually has one more son that is not old enough to be married yet. So he says, go back to your father's house as a widow. And when he's old enough, I will give him to you. Yeah. So she does. And that's where we are. She has no children. Yeah. And I think we could talk about this too. Same with like Ruth. You see in the story mm-hmm. of Ruth. It yeah. is a woman apart from a man in these times really has nothing. Right. She has no um Especially money. if she doesn't have children. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, and we'll save that when we get a yeah. little bit more into it. But yeah. So, um, yeah, women just don't. I mean, they need a man for money and for a future. Mm-hmm. And um, so Tamar is just being sent back to her home after she had two husbands that were probably mean to her. Right. I mean, if, it says that they were evil and that's yeah, why God if, killed them. <laughs> if they are evil enough to be struck dead right. by the Lord, then I'm going to assume that she didn't have the best life. Yeah. Um, and so she's just waiting for, um, another husband to mm-hmm. provide her a child and a future. Yeah. That's where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. And her father-in-law, Judah, who um, is kind of calling all the shots here, mm-hmm. he takes, I mean, he does not take her into consideration at all, which is not atypical for that culture. Yeah. Um, but she was sent back to her father's house because Essentially, he didn't want to deal with her until he needed her to come and to bear children by his youngest son, who was yet old enough um, to marry. So everything surrounding the situation with Tamar just feels bad. Yeah. Like there, when you read Genesis 38, there's not really a point really in the whole chapter that you start to think, oh, that's good. 
Yeah. Like, that, that was a good thing that happened. Yeah. Or, or anything good happens for Tamar that you're like, I'm glad she got that. She just right. Right. She needed, she needed that, but yeah. no, nothing. That was a good move, Tamar. Or this was that was the right thing to do. Like yeah. on everyone's part in this situation, um, it feels like and it reads like it's all bad. Yeah. Oh <laughs> and yeah. And the the funny thing with that is if you're just reading through the book of Genesis, then when you finish Genesis chapter 38 and you go into th- chapter 39, the story of Judah and Tamar and the sons and all of that, it doesn't continue like it ends. And then we go into talking about Joseph again. So if you're just reading through this, which thankfully we have the new Testament, but if you're just reading through this, you're like, well, that what happened? Like that, that sucks the way that that ended or that didn't wrap up in a pretty bow. Um, But you know, when we look forward to the New Testament, which we'll talk about in a little bit, we see how how this story actually fits in the entire story of redemptive history, Yep, which is so just interesting to me when I see these stories and we read these stories in the Old Testament and particularly these situations that feel especially bad or especially hard. And then we see in the New Testament that God has worked it out for his redemptive plan in the overarching story. Or we don't even understand. I mean, goodness, I've recently, I think we've talked about this, fallen in love with the Old Testament because I used to read it and be like, I just don't get this. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, what is the point of this story? Like, that's awful. And and then you read it and you're like, holy cow, this should be a movie because this is like gory and gross. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what is the purpose of this in the story of salvation? Yeah. But, the more you read and then the more you see the parallels from the old testament to the new and you see the what's the foreshadowing of the plan of salvation mm-hmm. and it really can blow your mind and i feel the same way when i saw tamar's name when we were talking about this it said second chances mm-hmm. so then you read the story and you're like wait it can't be over. i mean it can't be over yeah because she doesn't get her second chance in this, um, in this chapter. Yeah. It makes you question. I mean, what, what happens? Yeah. The same thing happens in a lot of stories in the old Testament. And thankfully we have, um, the benefit of having the entire Bible. Oh yeah. So we can see that, but there's so much just rich, um, richness in the old Testament that it doesn't just like teach us Bible stories, Um, or show us, you know, morality or anything like that. Likely we're going to read about a lot of immorality in the Old Testament, but the way that it points to Jesus and his resurrection and the hope of his second coming, when you start to read the Bible with that lens on, then it changes everything. It It really does. When you're looking for those things, how does this fit in the entire story of the Bible, it really changes just your understanding of God and his character, how big he is. Um, And then to see that, wow, what a gift that we have this. I always say that to people and to women in particularly, like your Bible is a gift, not for you to learn about yourself, but for you to learn about God. He has graciously given us these words about himself. Yeah. Like he's telling us about himself and he doesn't have to do that. And I think two things about that. One, um, these people in the Bible, it would have been great for them to know what came next or how God would use them. Yeah. 
And we get to see start to finish there. So that's a blessing. And recently I heard someone say, when you stop reading the Bible for you and you start reading the Bible to know God more, it changes your life. And that's what it did for me. But I've just been hearing those words in my head the past two weeks over and over again. Sometimes we don't open up the Bible. Okay, what what are you going to teach me today? Because yeah. this this story is not going to teach you anything in and of itself. No. Besides don't be evil or right. <laughs> bad things are going to do these things. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but when you read it as a whole, like you yeah. said, and you're looking for God and what does this say about God, it will change every chapter of the Bible that you read. So yeah. anyways, we're probably going to get off on a. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can talk about that forever. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, something that I'll say this and then we'll move on. Something that Jen Wilkins says, it's actually in her book, Women of the Word. The Bible is a book about God, not about you. Yes. And I come back to that very frequently. The Bible is a book about God, period. Like that's yeah. the end. It's a book about him and the way that he's revealed himself to us. And so yeah. when we start to look at it that way, it changes the way it we does. look at these stories about Tamar because it really does. it's a little depressing, you know, what happens to her. And especially as women, I think, um, and for me in ministry and and working in a lot of um, women's ministry settings, we will talk about women in the Bible. And on this podcast, that's what we've done is we often we talk about different women of the Bible on each episode. And usually there is something in every situation, every story with a different woman, you know, from the Bible in her story that we look at and we see like, Man, that is really hard. Whether it's something that happened culturally that we don't understand now, yeah. whether it's something that just horrible happened to her or she was forgotten or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, it's just it's just incredible to see that God redeems all of that, you know. So in the story of Tamar, we kind of left off, you know, she's been sent back to her father's house to essentially wait for Judah's final remaining son um, to be of age so that she can be used to bear children for him to continue on this line and lineage of Judah. But then something happens in the story. So Taylor, why don't you pick up there in her story and kind of finish up what we find in the rest of Genesis 38? Yes. So it's important to note that in chapter or uh, in verse 12, mm -hmm. uh, Judah's wife passes away. Yes. So Judah, um, Tamar's father-in-law is now a widow himself, widower. Um, and so Tamar finds that out. And long story short, she poses as a prostitute, a village prostitute, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And she sits where she knows Judah is going to pass by and they meet. And if I understand, if I remember correctly, Judah asks her mm -hmm. who's basically to sleep with him. He approaches one, her. Yes. yes. And yeah. one of the reasons we're not reading this word for word is it is a little, uh, it's a little graphic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So go read it if you want to know the details. But yeah. anyways, he asked her um, to sleep with him and that's what she was there for yeah. because she um, ends up sleeping with him and getting pregnant, which it says there, which I'm sure she didn't know in that moment, but getting pregnant. But she knows to ask for his, um, she asked for three things from him. Um, he says he'll pay her, 
but he'll pay her with a young sheep in Mm -hmm. a few days. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, that's all fine and good. But for now, (laughs) I want you to give me a couple things, your signet ring, your cord, and the staff that you have in your hand. And Mm -hmm. so the signet ring was basically his signature. Yeah. So it, it was, was very specific to him, very yes, unique to Judah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I saw a Bible I read said, like, um, think about like a stamp with like your personal stamp that was made for you. you yes. Know, as a ruler. Yeah. So, um, and then she took the veil that was covering her face off and she went on about her business and she mm-hmm. was pregnant. Yeah. So um, then later on, somebody tells Judah, you're, you know, this lady that was supposed to have your, your new or your third son yeah. is pregnant. And he's like, what? Anyways. And she's like, surprise. <laughs> um, I'm pregnant by you. I was the prostitute poses yeah. the prostitute. She proves and, it by having the, having she the, has signature the signet ring. ring. Yes. Yeah. So um, Tamar ends up all of those verses of her marrying his sons and she ends up pregnant by Judah himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so when we're talking about like where we picked up this last time in the story, she poses as a prostitute, um, knowing that he's going to be coming by and knowing that he will likely approach her yes. and her identity remains anonymous throughout the, the entire account, the entire thing. Judah has no idea that it's her until way later when he finds mm-hmm. out that she's pregnant um, so we read that and we think, why on earth would she do that? <laughs> yeah. You know, we see Judah in the story and when we, um, you know, we meet Judah way earlier in Genesis and he does some questionable things with his brothers. Yes. Um, so even in Genesis 38, it's not surprising. I guess the actions of Judah may not surprise the reader because yeah. he has already kind of, um, acted on his own account. Yeah. And then when we see Tamar acting a little questionable in this situation, we're like, well, why would she do this? Why would she take things into her own hands to try to, why does she even want to be around Judah? You yeah. know? So um, what, what do you think? What do you think about that question? Like, what do you see when you see her and her action, particularly in that moment? So this was not an, um, this is a newer thought from reading Esther, honestly, and thinking, um, but my first thought reading this was like, okay, trauma. Mm -hmm. How many times can we pinpoint bad decisions um, to like link it to trauma or past trauma in our life? Yeah. And, um, you know, we discuss women of the Old Testament were nothing apart from men. Mm -hmm. They had no money. Um, Without children, they hadn't without male children, they had no future. Right. Um, and so I think two things she, I think there, it was a traumatic experience for her. Um, the marriage is leading up to this. Um, and I think she could have been angry mm-hmm. at Judah for raising the sons that he did and yeah. them not treating her well to lying to her and saying that he would give his third son and not. Mm-hmm. Um, so there could be anger, um, there could be fear of the future. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't have a, chi- a child, you know, and we see how important children, um, were to women of the old Testament, like, right. you know, being without a child was hard on these women. Mm-hmm. And so you think maybe she was 
scared for the future or desperate. Yeah. Know? But I think ultimately, whatever her feelings were, we'll never know. But I do right. think it is linked to the trauma that up until now she has mm-hmm. experienced. Not Absolutely. that that gives you a pass. Right. Not that um, her actions were um, yes. the right thing to do yes. necessarily, but just trying yeah. to kind of dig dig a little deeper yeah. into the situation to see like what is actually going on here and what is happening. Yeah. And talking about, you know, women in the Old Testament and a lot of women in the New Testament, but um, particularly when we're reading here and having children, that was like the... Um, the job that you had to do yeah. as a woman. And it's an incredible job now, you know, yeah. to have children okay. and to be a mom, but it carried a different type of weight then. Cause if yeah. we go all the way back to um, the garden of Eden and Adam and Eve and the, the cultural mandate, the command that they're given is to be fruitful, to multiply, to rule and subdue the earth. And yeah. so in those times, if you are not being fruitful and multiplying, it would appear that you are not obeying the command that God gave yeah. you to cultivate the earth. And yeah. so, you know, like when we look at the um, story of Abraham and Sarah, Sarah was barren and that was a um, that was a detriment to their family. Yeah. Um, and in that entire story, you know, Sarah ended up taking things into her own hands. That's how Hagar becomes pregnant with Ishmael and so on yeah. and so forth. So in that situation, she took things into her own hands, just as Tamar has now taken things yeah. into her own hands, because um, at this point, we don't even see that Tamar has any sort of understanding or faith in the Lord. Yeah, um, I was she was, mentioned that, too. I was yeah. like, I'm pretty sure she was. Um, it she doesn't was likely say, a, a Canaanite. Likely. Yes, I was yeah. going to say it doesn't say exactly where she's from. But, right. Um, like the story. You know, I think of the story of Rahab. That's always a question like, yeah. okay, was she a believer of God? You know, mm-hmm. because it's it's back in the Old Testament. Was she yeah. a believer of God at that point? So, mm-hmm. or, what? you know, so, you, yeah, you don't really know what her background was and what she you mm-hmm. know, stood for or what she believed or knew to be true. Even. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I can gather from that, um, if we kind of zoom out a little bit, is that God used her, God used Judah, well, you know, regardless of his actions, he used them in order to bring about his perfect plan. Yes. Um, and how incredible that he uses these imperfect, um, often immoral people yeah. to continue his covenant promise. It is just so incredible that he that he uses them and that he uses us in that way. And we, I'll go back to us not knowing the end of the story after that chapter. But to me, um, for God to use her in such a way as he did um, for in his plan of salvation, mm-hmm. I do fully believe that there was a moment of remorse and and repentance yeah. and asking for forgiveness because um, I believe that has to exist for us to um, not be used in, like, I think we can all be used mm-hmm. for the greater picture, but to have a role in seeing things come to fruition, I mm-hmm. think we are repenting daily and we are walking with the Lord. And so I I believe that that came sometime between the end of the chapter and God using her like he did. Yeah. Um, so whether she believed in him at this point, I, I do believe that there was a, a time that she came to know God. 
Yeah, yeah. So um, at the end of the story, you know, Tamar is pregnant. She is actually pregnant with twins. Yeah. By Judah. Judah actually seeks to kill her before he knows that it's his children. And then when he finds out, oh, oh yeah, hey, she, she was the prostitute that I found yeah. over in that other city. So once he finds out that it's his children, he actually calls her righteous, which I thought was interesting is that he he's seeking to kill her. And then he finds out that he um, is going to have you know, more children because of what she did because of um, kind of this trickery. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, but you're great now. You're so smart. I like that he says, (laughs) I like that he says you are more right than I was. Basically, we both did dumb things. Right. You lied. And I was looking for a prostitute because my wife just died. Yeah. Um, So we both did dumb things. But I guess you're like less in the wrong than I am because Mm -hmm. now you're having children. Right. And so God brought, yeah, yeah, God brought about the, you know, his continual plan anyway. And so um, the children that she has, the twins, which we really don't have time to talk about this, but there's just so much to be said about their, like the instances of brothers being born in um, this lineage and in the old Testament and the second born becoming the one who receives the promise or the one who receives the inheritance. We see that in this story too. So um, Perez is the son that is born first, but he was not supposed to be because um, in the story, uh, the other twin was basically like about to be born. And then the way the story reads, it says he pulls back and then Perez comes out first. They put they put a scarlet strand on his hand and then he pulled his hand back in, which, you know, kind of makes you cringe as a mother. I'm thinking like, (laughs) oh my gosh, poor Tamar. Like this has to be the worst labor. (laughs) And so he goes back in completely. And then the other baby comes out, ends up coming out first. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so then we have Perez who is the firstborn um, of, of Tamar and then will continue to receive the inheritance from Judah. So I think this is a good place to, to move forward and look at the new Testament and see what we can learn from Tamar, from this story of, um, you know, how it really leads to redemption. So I'm going to read just a couple of verses, the first three verses um, in the book of Matthew chapter one. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac, the father of Jacob and Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers and Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar and Perez, the father of Hezron and Hezron, the father of Ram. And then it goes on and on and on. This is the genealogy of Jesus. So when we come here to the new Testament and we are reading about Jesus and we see um, this, this genealogy that he comes from the line of Judah, he comes from the line of Tamar, that she is used to bring about children who will eventually bring about the man, Jesus. Um, That, I mean, how incredible that she receives. We've talked about second chances and what a second chance that is to be able to be used in this way that now you are forever listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And she, I mean, I would assume she would never have guessed it because, I mean, take us right back to the story. One husband, no children, died. Second Mm -hmm. husband, no children died. Then you're withheld from your, what should have been in those days, your third husband. And um, so, I mean, I'm sure she was hopeless as to even 
you know, be cared for in her yeah. life. And like I said earlier too, if, if they could only see that full story that we get to see, um, yeah, what a beautiful picture of redemption. Like I said, I know that there had to be repentance and forgiveness. And, and this to me is the, the fruit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we can have awful things in our life. We can have made horrible decisions and we're not just all of a sudden going to become holy and righteous in the right. sight of the Lord, right. but with repentance and forgiveness and, you know, becoming one with Christ, we can have that. We can mm-hmm. have that same redemption. Um, and to where at the end of our life, people look back and say, you know, they went through some hard stuff. You know, they were a horrible, like Saul, um, yeah. they were horrible. But then when they met Christ and they were changed, he can use them in this capacity. Yeah. This is what he can do. And this is what he yeah. does. And we don't just see that with Tamar. We see that with all of the women who are listed in this genealogy yep. of Jesus. So we have Tamar, and four, right? Just yeah, we have, and yeah, five, including his mother, Mary. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we have Tamar, we have Rahab um, and the story of Rahab is just incredible. And then we have the story of Ruth and then we have um, with David and Bathsheba and like all of these situations with women are less than perfect um, yeah. to say the least <laughs> and God used them. And the the writer here, Matthew, and then in other accounts, when we have an account of the genealogy of Jesus, these women are listed by name, which was countercultural. You know, you don't yeah. typically list a woman by name unless there is some really significant um, meaning there. And yeah. so this tells us that Tamar was a significant character, a significant player in this story of redemption. And so now she is listed by name in the genealogy of Jesus here in the New Testament, which, um, you know, it doesn't make all of the things that happened to her. Okay. It doesn't say that like, that's the way it should have gone. It doesn't say that she should have done what she did or Judah should have done what he did because now look what happened. You know, everything happens for a reason. I think that kind of reasoning would lead us to think, that all that stuff is okay and, and, yeah. and well. But we know, you know, in knowing the Lord and knowing God and his character, we know that he, it doesn't condone sin, but he uses us anyway. So we, yeah. we um, can't overlook what happened in Genesis 38 and all the bad things that we've talked about. And if you read it yourself, you're going to read it and be like, oh man, like this <laughs> yeah. actually happened to her. Um, they actually put this in there. <laughs> right. I know. Um, but it is the Bible. It's the word yeah. of God. So, it, you know, it's, it's there and it's true and it's real, but it just goes to show that our um, lives and our trauma really um Cannot God doesn't use us in spite of that. He uses us because he loves us and because yeah. he wants to redeem that. And, and he too, has redeemed that. I think it totally debunks that theory that you are punished by God based on what you do. Yeah. You know, like um, because I I've heard that like even today, people feeling like deaths and disabilities and that kind of stuff. Like karma. Um, and, yeah. And even mm-hmm. in the Bible, people would be like, like with um, women who didn't have children, well, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What did you do? That was but, a common question to yeah, women. Yeah. I think this completely debunks that. And anytime a woman is mentioned like this, because all you did all this stuff and all this stuff, stuff happened to you, 
but God knows you, he's still going to call you by name. Mm -hmm. Like, I just think it, it just debunks that theory that when you do, when you disobey or you do something wrong or make bad choices, that you're going to be punished from God. Not yeah. saying there aren't consequences right. because there are always consequences. Right. But God's not going to hold that over your head forever. There yeah. is grace and there's mercy and redemption mm-hmm. for the worst of the worst. And yeah. um, I think every time a woman is mentioned, um, it just lets you know that because men didn't care for women like, like God does. Yeah. And in Not the way even. that Jesus did in, exactly. in Jesus' ministry, exactly. you know, the way that he treated women was so countercultural. And that in itself speaks to the way um, that the cross really equalizes, Yeah, you know, in, in that. And so there's a lot of nuance there, but he is saying like women are not second class citizens. He appeared yeah. to a woman first after his resurrection. Yeah. Not when it comes the- to. Yeah. Yeah. She's the one who comes and tells the disciples. And so that was purposeful. Like he didn't just say, oh, there's, there's the first one I'm going to talk to after I've been resurrected like that. That was purposeful to me. And so we can see that like all of these things, if you're a woman and you read these stories of women in the Bible and it's really hard for you, that's okay. Because it's really hard for me too, but that should lead us to see, but how does God redeem those hard situations? And I think we really see that in the story of Tamar and really in almost every story that we read. Yeah. So that's why the linking to scripture as a whole, like we've talked Mm -hmm. about multiple times this episode, that's why it's so important. Because if you do just read it, you think, I don't want to read this. I don't, I don't believe that's the way women should be treated. I don't believe, you know, and I will agree with you. It's not. (laughs) It's not. And he does. And and Jesus and God do not believe that either. Like God in the Old Testament didn't believe that. Jesus in the New Testament doesn't treat women that, you know, he doesn't believe that either. You've got to look at scripture Mm -hmm. in its entirety to see the good and the bad. Yeah. Yeah. And the bad really, you know, we live in a, in a world they did then. And we do now a world that is um, saturated by sin from Genesis chapter three on like nothing goes right um, when we take things into our own hands. And so because of that, and because of just the, the aching that we feel when we read these stories and what happens in these situations, we have to know and look towards our greater hope in Jesus, exactly. our living hope in Jesus, because of the sin that surrounds us and Absolutely. the weight of that, that it feels so heavy sometimes that like the only thing, there are some days, I was telling my husband this the other day, there are some days that feel so hard that the only thing that keeps me going, like the only thing that will that will keep me moving um, out of that hardness is the hope of resurrection um, eventually in Jesus, like the hope that he is coming again and that I, ha- I have him now in the already, but there is a not yet that I get yes. to look forward to. And for me, when I can rest in that, like that's all that we need. And sometimes that's all we have. It feels like that's all we have sometimes. Um, 
So to just have that and to see that and to use these stories to point us to that is just the way that we should use the Bible and the way that we're intended to look at these stories. Absolutely. I told David the same. I said, I've become that old lady at church. I'm like, I'm just waiting for the Lord to come back, just looking for it. I just feel like that. And it's changed. I mean, it's changed so much for me just in the past few. And I think, honestly, I think the pandemic hitting and Mm -hmm. just slowing us down and like taking away things that that maybe not necessarily idols in our life but taking up so much of our time um I've just been so intentional with filling those spaces that feel so empty to me by not seeing family or not having company I've intentionally been filling them with scripture with podcasts with worship music and it helps my mind look toward in that direction. Like I do feel like that old lady, like the Lord's coming back. Are y'all ready? Like, I just feel like that's the only thing in my mind, but it's, it's great because if we do dwell on, um, you know, the evil that does exist and that will exist until Mm -hmm. we are perfect and whole in front of the Lord, it is going to exist. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just, I've, shifted my mind from from dwelling on those things to just feeling them with the Lord and yeah. looking towards that hope. And I I know we've said this a hundred times, but that's just the beauty of these awful stories. Yeah, um, it really is to see that it is all redeemed in Jesus. Yes. You know, not that her story on like her life on earth didn't get wrapped up in that pretty bow, but we yeah. see that pretty bow in the the man and the life of Jesus and his yeah. death and his resurrection. And that, you know, that is the final say, the final word. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it, it wraps everything up past, present and future for us in a way that it is beautiful. And that yeah. is, um, that is very redeeming. So I hope that this story and conversation was really encouraging to um, you guys listening to see that, you know, we have a lot of hard, hard stories and hard things listed in the Bible, but the way that God reveals himself through that um, is really what we're meant to see, to see his character of mercy and grace yes. and ultimately um, of redemption and that redeeming love. So um, thanks for talking to me yeah. this and for choosing Tamar. I left it up to you to choose who you <laughs> wanted to talk to. So um, I'm glad that you chose Tamar. Yeah. So um Before we end, I have one last question that I've been asking just for fun. So what book or podcast or show or um, something that you're consuming right now, what are you enjoying that you would like to share with listeners? You know, this might have been the thing I thought hardest on because I've listened to your podcast and I knew you were going to ask this. I do not watch shows. I can't stay up past the time my kids get up. Yep. Um, I used to put friends on while I was doing the laundry and then but now I don't do that anymore. But me and my husband are like eight episodes into Superstore. Okay. I don't know. About okay. Well, I don't really know much about it so far. It's like, I'm not going to watch it with my kids, but it's not like super inappropriate. I don't okay. know if it gets that way. Yep. It's so funny. Like I've never been an office person. I don't know. It seems like it might be that same, like, um, that same type of humor. Um, like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We're only like nine, eight or nine episodes in. We can only watch like one every three days because right. that's how. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, it's so funny. Um, podcast. I listen to the She Reads Truth podcast. I've actually been going through and like finding the books that they do and like mm-hmm. listening to those four and reading along with them. Yeah. Yeah. I really yeah. like that one, too. I usually listen to it every week. Yes, I like it a lot. Um, 
and not just saying this, I've, I listened to yours and I've listened to a couple of Sadie Robertson's. That's literally the only three I've listened to. <laughs> only three I do. Um, and reading, I do, I'm looking forward to reading the new uh, Lisa Turkhurst book, but honestly, mm-hmm. my 30 minutes of quiet time in the morning is scripture. And then my day is like everywhere else. Yeah. Not a big, yeah. I'm not a big reader, but yeah. I do every once in a while, a book catches my eye and I love Lisa Turkhurst. So I would yes. like to read her newer one. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. I have a yeah, couple me too. Who, who have read that yeah. one. And I'm the same. I love to read. And so I yeah. try to find times that I can read. But yeah. I usually end up staying. Like if I want to read, I'm usually staying up like until midnight. Because yeah. that's the only time. I understand. <laughs> but I can't. I cannot stay up late. Like I put my kids to bed. And if my head touches anything, yeah. <laughs> I am gone. Done. <laughs> yeah. I know I the can, feeling. Yeah. So I I'm. I try to be intentional with my first 30 minutes of um, time in the morning and it's normally scripture and that's like all I read really. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's just, if I make out pockets of time, yeah. I can't just grab a book for fun, but yeah. Um, anyway, one day, one day, yeah. maybe we'll get together when our kids are like grown and self-sufficient yeah, I know. and we can actually read a book and watch <laughs> a show forward to the day. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoy all the craziness now, yeah. but then sometimes I'm just like, if I could just like drink a cup of coffee before it goes cold for one, and then just sit down and read for fun. Yeah. Like, I've been trying to get up early because I just started working full-time here at the church because, mm-hmm. um, uh, we have virtual students here. Okay. Yeah. Parent, yeah. And the, um, virtual facilitator is having a baby. We didn't expect it to go on this long, but we're still Mm -hmm. not in school here. So I'm doing that full time. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up at six, do my quiet time, do my workout. Shepherd has woken up at five 30 every morning this week. I know. I'm like, what do I have to do? I'm not getting up earlier than that. (laughs) I know that's kind of the situation. I love getting up early before my kids. Um, but my little, hard to beat them two months old. Yeah. She's typically getting up before I am. And I'm just like, I can't get up at 4 a.m. I, I just can't do it because I literally just went to bed at like 1130. Nope. Yep. <laughs> but anyways, yes. I'll keep you posted if I actually have, if we finish Superstore because it's got several seasons and I normally yeah. watch like one season and I'm, an, I'm out. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. It sounds, yeah. I like that kind of humor. Yeah, so. it's funny. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. And um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening. That's it for us. That's it. See Thanks. ya. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Taylor is awesome. And um, after the show, we actually stayed on Zoom and talked for like 30 more minutes just just to get to hang out together. So um, I really hope you enjoyed this show. If you did, I would love some feedback. If you would leave us a review over on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, that would be super helpful for us when we put the show out. It helps others be able to find the show a little easier. Also, make sure to subscribe because um, you don't want to miss uh, all of our other shows coming out. We're putting out these episodes at least twice a month. Um, There might be some bonus content in there a little more than twice a month. So make sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. Until then, thank you for listening to Fully Known. Grace and peace to you all.